So another way that you can avoid or be justified for non-performance would be through making a modification to the contract. And ultimately, a modification to a contract is an alteration to the original contract that is going to be equally enforceable. But parties who are requesting the alteration need to follow certain rules. I've got written down here four rules that need to be followed. Uh, the first is that the parties must have, sorry, the parties will always have the right to modify a contract. The second rule is that any modifications must be agreed to by all parties unless if an original contract says otherwise. For example, an original contract says party one only needs to agree to this, party two doesn't have a right to agree to it. That's all that matters. Rule number three is that modifications sometimes do not need to follow the normal contract rules for, format, for formation procedures, but typically they do need to follow normal contract formation rules. Rule number four is that we should just treat modifications as if we're drafting an original contract. So that's pretty straightforward. This last rule, I think, is ultimately the best thing to understand when it comes to best practices for drafting modifications. Ultimately, how are we going to modify? First, we're going to want to agree on the modifications, and we're going to want the agreement to meet any contractual formation standards, and then we're going to write it down. We're going to document it. We're going to sign it. That way there's a paper trail to say, here's what ended up changing. A good example of these are lots of con, uh, construction cases. Uh, a lot of the time parties will agree for a house to be built in a certain way, and then as you're going along, you look at it and you're like, uh, I don't really like that color as much as I thought I would. Let's do it this color instead. But there's some issues that can arise with that potential modification where, say, I wanted it yellow, now it's red. Really interesting house colors, I understand. But wanted it yellow, now it's red. What's the issue that could arise here? Well, an issue that could arise is uh, this red paint may have some qualities that ends up drying in a certain way that's different from the yellow paint. And the yellow paint was agreed in the contract. So if something wrong happens with the red paint, you're going to look back at the contract. And if there, this wasn't documented, you're going to say, okay, well, the house must have been yellow. It looks red. It was supposed to be yellow. Something went wrong. Here's the brand that we did the, that did the yellow paint. We're going to sue them. And ultimately, it may not have been the right people to sue to begin with. So there's lots of issues that could come up if you don't properly modify a contract. So it's a pretty simple process. Talk about it, agree, and then modify. But there's other certain rules that we need to, we need to follow. Specifically, consideration is a huge part of modifications. Uh, the lack of consideration may be a reason why a modification is not going to be enforceable. This isn't always the case. Uh, because there are some requirements. Well, there is some precedent that consideration is not always going to be a requirement. So ultimately, the first question that we need to ask is, is consideration a requirement? And if it is a requirement, 
Well, then we need to determine if consideration is present. So underneath the UCC section 2209 section 1, note that this is only for the sale of goods. Then there is no need for considerations to be made for a modification to be effectual. There is a requirement that there there may be a requirement of good faith uh, in any modifications just to preclude any corrosion that may occur. But if the UCC does not apply, well then, consideration may be required. And then we need to go to the restatements uh, second of contracts, section 89, to see whether or not consideration applies and whether consideration was met. I also want to note that consideration under the original contract does not transfer to the modification. What I mean by that is underneath the original contract, uh, say you agreed to paint the house red. Uh, One party agrees that the paint is going to be red. The other party the other party's consideration is I'm going to pay you this much to paint the house. Now, if that changes and you want to modify that, well, then you need additional consideration. Uh, The modification, one consideration would be I want this house to be painted yellow, painted yellow, and then the other is going to say I'm going to pay you a different amount based off of the color being yellow instead. And this is called the pre-existing duty rule. Uh, You are not able to perform a previous duty to actually be consideration for modification. And this principle is really shown well, I think, in Alaska Packers Association versus uh, Dominico. What happened in this case was Alaska Packers had agreed to contract uh, fishermen to go up to Alaska uh, to fish for the season, and they were to do so for $50 for the season plus two cents per fish that they caught. Well, the part, uh, the fishermen went up there, started fishing, and then they stopped fishing, saying, nope, in order for us to keep fishing, you need to pay us $100 and five cents per fish in order for us to continue work. Well, Alaska Packers was like, well, we can't get any more fishermen, uh, season's too short. We gotta hire these guys, and so underneath this circumstance where uh, the fishermen were being coercive to get the extra pay, and they agreed to the additional pay. Well, the fishermen came home, tried to collect the pay, uh, and they weren't successful. And so Alaska Packers is saying, we are not subject to this modification because this modification was done without additional consideration. Ultimately, what the fishermen should have done in this situation was instead of agreeing for the extra wage, only for the extra wage, they should have said, we are going to do something additional for this extra wage. We will wear the company logo, for example. But nothing happened. They didn't agree to do anything extra. They pretty much just agreed to go back to work, which was the consideration underneath the original contract. So this is the pre-existing duty rule in action where you had a pre-existing duty to work and so a modification does not 
give any additional consideration, you have to do something else. This can be minimal, but you have to do something else. Other reasons why a modification may not be enforceable is if it's made under duress. Uh, typically, modifi modifications are going to supersede the original contract. Uh, that's not true if there's a lack of juris uh, sorry lack of consideration, unless otherwise not necessary, or if it's made under duress. And then we have a final case where modifications typically need to meet the statute of frauds. Again, this is modifications should just be treated as the second contract that supersedes the original contract. So if the original contract needs to meet the statute of frauds and the modification needs to meet the statute of frauds, it needs to meet the statute of frauds. There are a couple of exceptions to the statute of frauds if it's not written down. That's going to be if you're relying on uh, certain parts to be made or if there's good faith, that's a factor. Or if, according to the UCC, on Section 2201C3, if goods were expected, payment has been made, and those goods were received, then that's another exception to the statute of frauds. So that's modification, uh, how it works. Ultimately, best practice, write everything down. And that's, that's that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't our pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice, and with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.